Hey guys, before we get into our podcast today, I want to thank all of you who have been listening and those who may be listening for the first time. I hope you're being blessed by the podcast. I also want to remind you, if you are enjoying the podcast, tell your friends and share episodes on social media. Word of mouth is the best advertisement. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe on your favorite platform. If you are listening on Apple, please leave a review. You can also find us at InFocusPod on Facebook. That's at InFocusPod. If you would like to message us, you can email theinfocuspod at gmail.com where you can send us a message on Facebook. Once again, I want to thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, it's Bobby Newsom, and I want to welcome you to In Focus Podcast. Every week we will be delving into many discussions and topics, looking at them all through the lens of Scripture, allowing Christ and His Word to keep us in focus. Hey everyone, I want to welcome you to the In Focus Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Bobby Newsom. I'm so excited about the show that we have tonight. Um, I have a special guest with me. And um, I'm going to give him a chance here in just a moment to tell us a little bit about himself. If I remember correctly, um, I think the first time that I ever met um, Austin, Austin Lynch, um, um, is who our guest is tonight. And the first time I ever met him, at least the first time I remember meeting him, was at a church camp. It's been many years ago. I was a I was a camp evangelist, um, and if I remember correctly, he had just um, he had just gotten back from our Iraq. Um, and I met, he was just a, he was a young, young man then, not that he's old now, but uh, he had just gotten back from Iraq and had such a heart for the Lord. Um, then he went off to Bible college and, or he may have actually been in Bible college at the time. I don't remember. He can tell us that. Uh, but um, I've asked him to come on tonight. We are going to talk about sanctification. Now, sanctification is a subject that really isn't talked about a lot in churches today. Um, it's one of the many subjects that I think the church has um, kind of let go off to the wayside. People who have not been in church for a long time, if you even speak about sanctification, many of them wouldn't even know what you were talking about. And so tonight we're going to discuss sanctification. But before we do that, I want to introduce to you Austin Lynch. Um, and I'm going to let him tell um, tell you about himself. So Austin, I want to welcome you to the InFocus podcast tonight. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so uh, my name is Austin Lynch, obviously. Um, I am uh, married to Rebecca Lynch. Uh, Her maiden name was Goodwin, for anybody that might know her. Uh, I have uh, two little girls that are uh, eight years old. So we adopted twin girls. And um, I... uh, I have a bachelor's degree, and I think Bobby had mentioned this. I have a bachelor's degree in pastoral studies from Cedarville University, and then I'm currently working on my Master of Divinity degree um, through Regent University. Um, I've been a pastor since 2012, and I'm currently the associate pastor at 
uh, Congregational Missionary Church in Stonewood, West Virginia. So, awesome, awesome, um, and so um, I brought you in here tonight. We're going to talk about sanctification. And um, it was awesome when I was talking to you about it. You you said something to me that kind of stuck out to me when you said you like to talk about subjects that the church doesn't talk about enough. Uh, and this is definitely probably one of those subjects. Um, so when, when it comes to sanctification, there are uh, many different views, theological views of sanctification. Um, and what, like we were saying, that, that sanctification isn't talked about a lot today. Um, I can't speak for you, Austin. I know in the church I grew up in, when I was growing up, it was talked about a lot. <laughs> they talked about sanctification all the time. Um, but we're going to talk about some of the different views. So uh, for just a moment, just talk about the different theological views of sanctification, if you would. Yeah, so um, one of the things with that, and you're absolutely right, it's just it's one of those words that uh, almost sounds like an old old school word. Um, you just don't ha- don't use that word very often in uh, in regular everyday conversation. Uh, but literally it's, it's just a, a word that means the separating or the setting apart. Um, and yeah, there are several different views. And, and if you want to get to some real nuanced views, you could probably, uh, find, you know, f- at least five or six different views of sanctification. Right. Um, but I, I think probably for the benefit of everybody, instead of d- getting, uh, really far into those, uh, those theological concepts is just to understand that um, probably the two that I would want to point to was, would be that you have an idea of a progressive sanctification. And so you often hear people talk about the process of sanctification. Um, And then there's also this idea uh, within Wesleyan theology of instantaneous uh, sanctification or entire sanctification. Uh, You might hear that terminology. And so I would say that, um, just to kind of lump some of those together with the uh, progressive sanctification. Um, those are really the, the two main views that you're going to see within, um, within modern evangelicalism in the West. Uh, so it's kind of this idea of, uh, is this just the process of growth or is this actually a, a second, um, a second work of grace uh, by the Holy spirit. And then you can get into some, uh, even some views that are, going to be uh, like your like Church of God in Christ, or um, I think maybe even Church of God of Prophecy uh, might <clears throat> hold to this, but they have like a, uh, uh, you know, a, a second work of grace and then a third work of grace. So you hear people in those persuasions saying, I've been saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Right. Um, so and so that's yeah, actually... I, would, I, would just, I would just say that those are the two main branches that I think you're really looking at is, uh, okay, is this progressive growth? in the life of a Christian, or, uh, is this something instantaneous, um, that happens by faith? Yeah. And I, and I actually grew up, grew up more in the instantaneous uh, version of that, um, growing up in the Pentecostal church. Um, and, and we would often say, you know, I'm saved, sanctified and filled with the Holy ghost. Um, and, and I think that, uh, there was a more of a view of it, like an instantaneous sanctification was a, 
something that happened to you. It was an experience that happened. And when you had that experience, um, you, you, you know, all of a sudden you were changed. Um, and then there was as much of a progressive thing. I even read one time and, and I can't remember what, a, what even denomination it was. Now we didn't, we didn't quite, um, at least I don't remember us acquiring <laughs> to this, but I read one time that, in one of the doctrinal statements, the sanctification was when we become like Adam before the fall. And so that was an extreme version of instantaneous sanctification. Uh, now, me personally, I I believe, you know, that, that sanctification is a process. Um, so uh, could you could you talk about a little bit which one of those uh, which 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 of those views that, that you um, believe? Sure. So. um I would say this, uh, when it comes to sanctification, and I think if, uh, and unashamedly, if, if my theological bias is, is I am, I am Wesleyan. Um, and so the, if you ask the question, is sanctification progressive or instantaneous? I think any good Wesleyan should be able to say yes. Um, the problem is there's been a lot, right. of, there's been a lot of misunderstandings around, um, sanctification and specifically the doctrine of entire sanctification or you might hear Christian perfection or the doctrine of perfect love or the second blessing. I mean, there's all these different words that are used for it, but, um, but I think that there's been some uh, misunderstandings about what that actually means. And so uh, what I would say is uh if somebody says, is sanctification progressive or instantaneous, I'm going to say yes. Because just because somebody has um, experienced this entire sanctification does not mean that everything stops. Right. Um, and that's uh, that's really a big misunderstanding that I've heard um, a lot within the, uh, uh, the Wesleyan holiness movement is – I've, I've, I've literally heard people say, you know, I've, I've been, uh, I've been saved and I've been sanctified. And so, uh, I, I don't sin anymore. I can't sin anymore. I can't, you know, fall short anymore. I've got this. I've, mm-hmm. I have attained it. And, um, and I just want to look at them and say, you don't understand the doctrine very well because, uh, you're just denying that there's any growth after this. And, and that's just not the case. Um, and so I think uh, one of the ways I like I like to look at it, and this is uh, really stealing you know this from John Wesley, but um, is this illustration of of a house. And so I often say that the the house Wesley built, but uh, it's uh, he, he gives this illustration of prevenient grace, which is just a big fancy word for grace that precedes or comes before. And he says, so there is this porch of the house, and that's prevenient grace. That's God's grace that goes before, uh, the God, God's grace that is active in your life, uh, that is bringing you to a place, to a knowledge of Jesus. And, uh, and so we would call that prevenient grace. And then he talks about this door, this doorway of justifying grace. And then, but the problem you get into is, okay, so you've made it to the porch. Jesus has, has revealed himself to you. The Holy spirit is drawing you. You're at the porch you know, you're experiencing this convicting grace that he would even speak of. And maybe you've stepped through the door of justification. But now that you're in the house, you have to learn how to live there. Right. And that's where sanctification comes in. Um, 
And so I think probably some of the uh, some of the the concept that gets misunderstood is really rooted in different understandings of what salvation is. Right. Um, and so when it comes to salvation, you know, I would say this, I have been saved. I am being saved and I will be saved too often. I think within the church, we've treated justification as salvation. Right. And that justification is obviously a very important part of that salvation experience, but it's not the be all end all of salvation. Right. Um, and I think that whenever we do that and we, we come to justification and we just treat conversion or this moment of justification as, uh, this is, uh, this is it. This is the end of the road. You're saved. You're, you know, you're in the house. Fantastic. High five, move on. You know, uh, whenever we do that, what we've said is we just look back at, oh, I had this great experience with God, but there's no transformation that happens. We've been forgiven and we've been justified, but there's no transformation that's really taking place. Mm -hmm. And so I'd say that's one of the big things that we have to understand if we're going to really understand sanctification and talk about sanctification, even if we disagree on it and how this plays out theologically, I think we have to understand that um, this is really a part of the salvation experience. Um, right. Salvation does not stop once we've been justified. You know, that's that I have been saved, but I am being saved. That's where that sanctification comes in. And then obviously, yes. you know, those, you know, that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. You know, that there is going to be this ultimate salvation that Christ brings uh, you know, to his church and uh, to his creation. And so uh, we can't just stop. We can't just hit justification and stop. There is so right. much more to it. You got to the porch, you made it through the door, but man, there's a lot more to do in the house. And that's where it's, uh, sanctification comes in is within the house. Um, so that's just kind of an analogy uh, that Wesley used that I, I think is a good analogy to look at to kind of point out the importance of sanctification. Um, we would say this as a, uh, as a Wesleyan, I would say sanctification. When does it begin? It begins at justification. So mm -hmm. when I come to faith in Jesus and I, I gave Jesus my life and I said, you know, forgive me for my sins. I want to follow you. I believe you. Um, when that takes place, thus begins sanctification. But within the Wesleyan theological spectrum, we would say that there comes a time through crisis and through, through process that, that we come to uh, needing almost this, this second touch to an extent. Um, but I also want to be careful in, in using that terminology for this fact. I don't want to get to a place where I go, I have been saved and I have been sanctified and now there's nothing else that Jesus can do. <laughs> you know, now there's nothing right. else that the Holy Spirit can do. Um, we should have multiple moments throughout our lives where we experience the, you know, the Holy Spirit filling us, where we experience the the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, where we experience the voice of God in our lives, where we experience the convicting power and the cleansing in our lives. And so uh, I guess the point is 
at no point, regardless of whether we believe in entire sanctification as a second work of grace or not, at no point should we be comfortable where we're at. God is always calling us into more, always calling us into a closer walk with him. Yeah, and I com- I completely agree, um, and we see that a lot. Like you know, in times past, I think we have seen, like you said, I, I love what you say there because when asked, you know, do you believe in instantaneous or do you believe in progressive, you said yes, and and I think that's a great answer because because I believe that's exactly where it lies. Um, whereas in times past, there have been extremes on both ends of that. Um, and, you know, growing up, I, I saw a lot of people who believed in instantaneous sanctification, and it almost became a rite of pride for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been sanctified, um, and I could go into stories about all kinds of stuff like that, but I'm not going to. Um, but, you know, sanctification, you know, if, if I'm hearing you correctly, um, I kind of hear you saying that you believe that sanctification is pretty important um, in our walk with Christ. I mean, am I, is that, am I hearing you right? Uh, absolutely. Um, and so I, I would even, I would even say this, um, that sanctification, I mean, that is the majority of our Christian life. Um, we, I mean, how long can we live in a doorway? How long can we live on the porch? Eventually you have to get in the house and when you get in the house, you realize, man, there's some things that need swept out. You know, there are some dishes that need done. There are some beds that need made. You know, there are things to do in the house. And that's actually the majority of our life. And so when we ignore sanctification, I think we ignore the majority of what the Christian life looks like. You know, we are, are called to be people. And how often throughout the throughout the scriptures and especially into the New Testament, whether it's John, whether it's Paul, whether it's Peter, how often do we hear about this concept or this idea of be holy because God is holy, live in such a way that is honoring and pleasing to God? You know, it is throughout scripture and throughout the New Testament writers. And I'm saying if if they are calling us to do this, if they are calling us to be godly people, to be righteous people, to be holy people, surely they must think that this is actually possible. And I, I think that's probably a pet peeve uh, that I have. And um, and I guess it probably comes out of, uh, uh, um, hopefully, a, a hope to be um, humble. But I hear people say things like, oh, I'm, I'm just an old sinner, you know. Uh, I'm still just an old sinner, but, but, uh, but I'm forgiven now, you know, but God, God saved me now, but I'm, you know, I'm justified, but I'm still just an old sinner. And I want to say why that's, that's not what God has called you to. God has called you to a higher standard of living. God has called you to be holy. God has called you to be set apart completely, to be entirely, you know, sanctified, um, for his sake. And, and by saying that, by, I mean by saying that, what they're saying is, is that what Christ did on the cross wasn't enough, you know. And, and I, know, I know that's probably not what they're trying to say. But when you when you say, well, you know, I'm just an old sinner, um, you know, you, you're saying I am who I used to be, um, and, and so you're really kind of downplaying um, what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And and I, you know, I always tell the church this. Uh, I always say, God loves you right where you are. 
right where you're at. God loves you there. Um, but God loves you too much to leave you there. His goal for you is not that you had this amazing moment where you experienced his forgiveness and his love, but his goal for you is that you would be set apart, that you would be sanctified entirely, that you would be perfect, which we can get into that word in just a moment, uh, what that looks like. But, uh, but yeah, I just think it's uh, unfortunately a, an aspect that gets ignored within uh, within the Christian walk. And, and I want to come back at that and say, this is the Christian walk and it is grace. And God has empowered us through his Holy Spirit to live this life. And so whenever we say things like, oh, well, I just can't do that. I want to answer with, you're absolutely right. You can't. That is why Jesus died on the cross. That is why he rose from the dead. And that is why he sent his Holy Spirit to empower you so that you can do this, not through you, but through him, by his grace, by his spirit. Yeah. And, you know, you, you brought up a good point that it, it's through him. Um, and, and some of the things that I've seen um, when you talk about holiness uh, coming from the background that I come from, I, I saw, you know, like I said, growing up, I heard a lot about sanctification. I heard a lot about holiness. Um, and what I saw many times were sanctification and holiness put side by side with rules and regulations. Mm -hmm. And so in order to be sanctified, you must follow these rules. In order to be holy, you must follow these rules. And it's not that God doesn't have a standard because we know that he does, but it's not, it, you know, sanctification and holiness is not about rules and regulations. It comes back to um, having that relationship with Christ. And the closer we get to him, the more we, we are drawn unto himself. And therefore, the more we be, the more sanctified we become, and so there, ha, there seems to be um, with a lot of people. There seems to be kind of when you, I, I've actually been in churches um, before and around people that if you mentioned words like sanctified or sanctification or holiness, they they cringed uh, mm -hmm. because w what they were actually hearing you say was they didn't hear you say sanctification, they didn't hear you say holiness, they heard you say rules, regulations, bond. Um, and I don't believe that sanctification and holiness is bondage at all. At all, I believe it's freedom. It's complete freedom, and it only comes through, like you said, the cross of Jesus Christ in a relationship with Him. Yeah, and so, and that's, I think, one thing that I want to uh, almost try to reframe um, for my generation. And I'm, you know, I'm 31 years old, but. Uh, this is an area within especially my generation that, you know what, we saw the legalism that people were trying to pass as holiness and, um, and just realized that, you know what, they look good on the outside and they might have, you know, the outward appearance going for them. Uh, but on the inside, they were still missing a lot of stuff and they tried to be holy by what they looked like and what they could present themselves as on the outside. Um, and, uh, and I think Jesus said, uh, said something to the Pharisees about that, uh, you know, that they were well, whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. Um, mm -hmm. you know, that's not, that is, that, that is not what God has called us to. And, and so I take that, I take this as a personal, um, a personal calling to almost reframe, uh, what I see is as biblical teaching 
um, in such a way that that we say, listen, this is not about, uh, you know, you having, you know, long hair or short, short hair or, you know, wearing long sleeves or that's not what this is about. Um, we have to really redefine what sanctification is, redefine what holiness is, um, so that people understand where it's coming from. Um, and so just in kind of redefining that, um, you know, we'll use words like, and, and you kind of mentioned this, you know, people will cringe. They'll hear the word like entire sanctification. And those are, are signal words that, uh, we don't believe like this person, you know, or, uh, or even words, the terminology Christian perfection, you know, people hear that and lose their mind. Yes. And it's simply because in my opinion, they don't know what that really means. Right. Um, and so, uh, if it's all right with you, like, just to kind of reframe this for a, a bit, uh, please, yes. What uh, what the sanctification looks like? Um, I would say this, I, and I always hear this. You know, um, well, uh, entire sanctification or Christian perfection. Um, yeah, that's great and all, but it started with Wesley. And uh, I'm like, you know, listen, I admire Wesley. I love reading about Wesley, but Wesley's human. Uh, Wesley was. I believe a, a mighty man of God that God used at the right time uh, and the right purposes and did some amazing things. But I always push back and say, this did not start with Wesley. This started with Jesus. That's right. And, uh, and so when I say that, what I mean by that is that to understand the doctrine of holiness or in, you know, what I would be teaching in entire sanctification or Christian perfection, we have to understand that it is a theology that is rooted in love. God is love. That's how yes, we interpret yes. it. That's how we see it. That That is where it starts. If we go anywhere else with that, if we start with any other foundation, we'll come to some different conclusions. But our foundation begins with God is love. It's not just that God loves. It is who he is. It's his embodiment is love. And so we would say this, what is the practical outworking of entire sanctification or Christian perfection? It is what Jesus said, loving God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. That's, yes. that's, that's what we believe that uh, this is to accomplish. It is to be that, that we are perfected in love, which is a very biblical term to use. You know, John uses that in his gospel. John uses that in uh, several times, I believe, in in First John, where he talks about being perfected in love, and so it starts with Jesus. And Jesus, even speaking in Matthew chapter five, uh, verse forty-eight, he says, "Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect." And we say, "Man, that's a tall order. How can how can he demand perfection?" But it's because we don't understand what perfection is. And so I always point people back to when I, when I say Christian perfection, I'm not saying perfection as you understand perfection in the English language. If you go back to this root word that is translated as perfect, it has this idea of just completion or wholeness to it. Right. And so even in that passage in Matthew chapter five, he's talking about loving your enemies. And that's the context of the passage is loving your enemies. And he says, you know, to be perfect because your father is perfect. And we're talking about this perfecting of love. 
you know, and, and I, I don't know how to make that any clearer whenever we move into the scriptures and look at, even, you know, even the Apostle Paul when he's speaking and he's talking about, you know, if I have all of these gifts and I don't have love, I'm nothing. I don't have anything. This is- yeah, let me, let me just step in for just, I don't want to interrupt you, but, uh, you know, I, I think that one of the one of the reasons why there has been such a kickback against um, teachings like sanctification and holiness is because in times past, and, and some people, when they preached sanctification, when they preached holiness, they didn't preach love. Um, they preached a very angry sanctification. <laughs> they preached a very angry holiness. Um, and what 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 that did was is it um, it took the focus off of like what you said, which is, which is the foundation of both of those things, which is the love of Christ and our love for him, which is the foundation of all those things. And so I believe it's, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, that there's, there's, there's people who are trying, instead of just throwing away these, these, these doctrines that have been a staple in the church for years and are, are there. And they've been a staple in the church because they were biblical and, you know, they were proper theology. Um, and, Instead of throwing those away and just going the opposite direction, I'm glad that there's still people who say, no, let's bring it back to its original intended purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think that's uh, that's where we've we've missed it um, is just that. We've redefined some of these things that uh, that maybe the church has been talking about, I, I mean, when we talk about love and we talk about holiness, we talk about sanctification. These are not foreign concepts. These are things that we're pulling from scripture. You know, I mean, one of our, and we all do it, we all have those proof texts, but I mean, one of the things that we always look to when we talk about, is it possible to be entirely sanctified? Well, we say, man, that was Paul's prayer to the church in Thessalonica in first Thessalonians chapter five, you know, starting at verse 23 and 24, he says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely or entirely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it? And so we look at this and we say, man, if apparently Paul thought that this was possible, apparently Paul thought that there was something to this, uh, not just process of sanctification, but he said, may he sanctify you completely, your whole spirit, soul, and body. May they be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. And so I take sanctification seriously because I believe that the apostles took it seriously. I believe that Jesus takes it seriously. Yes. So uh, one of the... uh, Example, because one of the big questions I think that often comes up whenever you speak about entire sanctification, uh, again, it, it kind of scares people when you talk about that, talk about Christian perfection, um, because they go, oh, I'm not perfect. And I think it's important to point out, like, when we say Christian perfection, we're talking about being perfected in love. We're talking about Jesus doing a, a powerful, you know, cleansing work in us. Uh, a powerful move of the spirit in us where we can't do anything but love people. But that does not mean that we're not going to mess up. That does not mean that we're not going to make mistakes, but it means that 
our our want tos have changed, our attitudes have changed, um, our, our you know our default instead of to rebel and 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 hate, our default becomes I am going to love. I'm going to love God with everything I am. I'm going to love people with everything that I am. Um, and we think that's the practical outworking of of entire sanctification. Yeah, and and you know, I I love what what you're saying there. You know, that because many times, I mean, I, I've been in the church a long time, and very seldom um, you know, through the years have I heard sanctification and holiness put in the same, even in the same realm as love. As a matter of fact, a lot of times, you know, especially when it comes to legalism, they were put as opposites. Um, I've heard people say, you know, well, you know, there's love preachers, <laughs> there's, pe- there's preachers that preach love. Well, I, I preach holiness. Um, and that's just, it don't make any sense when you can't have any of those things without the other, at least not properly. Uh, and, and when, and when you, when you don't, when, you, when it's not rooted in love, that's when people begin to run away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's what we have seen. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk from my own experience in the sense of the last, you know, in, you know, in the last 20 years and maybe even before longer, um, it seems like that you don't hear a lot about sanctification. You don't, you, you barely hear anything, anything about holiness. Uh, but, you know, I'm hearing you say, and, I, and I'll ask you, you, you can answer. I mean, do you think this sanctification is, is still relevant in the church today? Well, I would say that if the Bible is still relevant in the church today, then sanctification and holiness better be relevant. That's right. Um, I mean, that is literally, if you just decide, I'm going to read through the scriptures, specifically the New Testament even. I mean, it's all through the Old Testament too, but if I'm just going to read through the New Testament, um, how often Jesus or the apostles talk about living a godly life, talk about living in holiness, talk about uh, being sanctified. Jesus prays it in John 17. He prays that we would be, that God would sanctify us by his truth. He says, your word is truth. And so um, it should be relevant in the church today. It should be um, something that the church uh, gravitates toward, but Unfortunately, and, and I think you've probably had some similar experiences, uh, we've kind of bought into this easy believism Christianity that says, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to accept Jesus, and uh, you know, Jesus and I are going to give each other a high five, and we're going to keep moving along, and I'm going to do whatever I want to do because I had an experience with Jesus one time. Yeah, that's right. Um, how are you going to have an experience with Jesus? And it not radically change your life. You know, like, I mean, this is Jesus we're talking about, right? I mean, this is the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, How are we going to encounter that and it not change us, it not transform us? You know, I mean, Paul, even um, just thinking Romans chapter 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, for which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Yes. Uh, even Romans uh, chapter 6, he even says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, or certainly not, absolutely not. 
there is a separation that has to take place once we come to faith in Christ. We are to be conformed into the image of God. It's not that, and I think this is, might be where we, we miss the point sometimes, is it's not that God just forgives us for our sins. He does that. It's not that God just justifies us. He does that. But God goes beyond that where he transforms us and he changes us and we become a new creature or a new creation in Christ. We are being conformed into the image of Jesus. And so, I mean, just the whole the whole of Scripture, the whole narrative of Scripture that man is created in the image of God and yet sin happens and that is marred and we see the you know that gets into the whole doctrine of original sin and and we need a savior we need Jesus well Jesus shows up why just so he can forgive us and then we go along living our life no Jesus shows up and he forgives us and then he is doing this work to restore the image of God in us here and now and that is an amazing thing, that it's, it's as if Jesus, through the power of his Holy Spirit, is reclaiming the image of God in us. And that's what we're talking about when we, when we use that terminology about you know, entire sanctification, about being set apart for God and for his purposes. I mean, we're talking about that God is doing a transforming work in our lives, and that is not only relevant in the church today, but that needs preached desperately in the church today. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, you know, you were talking about how, you know, uh, people, people think that it is just about asking forgiveness. And so, and, and the reason they think that is because that's really what the church kind of teaches a lot of times. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like, let's get them to the altar so that we can put them in our numbers at the end of the year. Um, let's let's get them to the altar so on Facebook after the service, I can announce that there were this many people saved. Um, when in, I think it's Acts 3.19, it says very clearly, it says to repent and be converted that your sins would be forgiven. In other words, repentance and conversion is ac- actually a prerequisite mm-hmm. for for your sins being forgiven. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people don't understand what the word repent is. The people think that the word repent is saying, I'm sorry. It's not. It's it's originally the Greek word metanoia, which means literally a change of mind. In other words, being transformed, you know, um, being, you know, going into that process of sanctification. And so I believe, it, like, like you said, I think it comes down to people do not have a proper understanding of the scripture and they don't have a proper understanding of the salvation experience. And as the church, we need to do a better job of, of helping people to understand that. Yeah. And, and I, I, I want to say this and, and I feel like I'm always trying to, uh, you know, defend the holiness movement. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I want to say that, uh, and, and you kind of alluded to this, that, you know, Unfortunately, people do not associate love with the holiness movement. Nope. Um, and yet that should be the foundation. It is. Well, it is the foundation of the doctrine. Like, right. That, that is the foundation of it. Um, I'm actually, I've been just for, cause I'm weird. I'm just for fun. I've been working on a, uh, just kind of a paper for my own personal enrichment on, uh, you know, reading scripture through this foundation of love and what that looks like. Um, but also another thing that often comes against 
the, the holiness movement is that we aren't people of grace. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately many have kind of taken that and they've taken pride in like, well, we teach the doctrines of grace. And I want to be like, listen, in the holiness movement, in our doctrine, it is all about grace. Yes. Grace of Christ and the, the love of Christ. That's what we talk about. We talk about, you know, and, and I want to be clear. I mean, grace is grace is grace. <laughs> you know, we use terms like prevenient grace and justifying grace, sanctifying grace, convicting grace, all those things. But it's all grace. It's not like, you know, God has them all separated out and just kind of looking down on them. But uh, right. But it is grace. And I think one of the most beautiful passages, and I want to share this uh, out of Titus chapter 2, verse uh, verse 11 uh, through 14. I think this is a picture of what I, of what we're trying to talk about. It says for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And we say, amen. God's grace was there bringing salvation. God's grace was there before salvation and it's appearing to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking mm-hmm. for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. It is the grace of God that goes before it is the grace of God that appears to all men. It is the grace of God that teaches us to live godly lives. We we should be able to proudly wear that that badge of we are people of grace and we are people of love. And, and unfortunately, that hasn't been the case throughout the years. And that's why I say I take it personal. I, I want to reframe what this doctrine looks like within the church today. Yeah, and, and it has to be, and that that comes with teaching, um, something that you know a lot of people don't really want, but but it comes with being taught, not just saying, well, this is what I believe, but being taught, this is why I believe what I believe, and this is this is the foundation um, of what I believe, um, you know, and I think you've kind of made it clear uh, that you don't you don't uh, you know you don't believe that that sanctification and these things are talked about enough um, in the church when when it's definitely one of the found foundation doctrines of, it should be one of the foundation doctrines of, of who we are and what we do yeah yeah um, you know it was interesting when because uh, of course I knew this was the topic we were talking about and I was just looking up some stuff um, and uh, you know as far as like the the Wesleyan revivals and things like that and um, because I mean, that's, that's really, we kind of trace those roots back to that, whether you're, um, within the holiness movement or the Pentecostal movement, you got to trace it back to, to the Wesleyan revivals. Um, and, uh, and Wesley himself even said that he felt God had called the, these people who he called Methodists, these people, uh, into existence for the, the simple fact of preaching this doctrine of Christian perfection of entire sanctification. Mm-hmm. And I found a couple quotes, uh, just some letters that he had written. And, uh, and I thought it was fascinating because he, one of these quotes, he said, where Christian perfection is not strongly and explicitly preached, 
there is seldom any remarkable blessing from God and consequently little addition to the society or the, the church, think of it like that, uh, and little life in the members of it. If it's not explicitly mm-hmm. preached, he's like, we're not seeing any power coming from that. We're not seeing any anything coming out of their lives. And he went on another time, another letter where he said, I found the plain reason why the work of God had gained no ground in this specific uh, circuit that he was referring to in all the years. The preachers had given up the Methodist testimony. Either they did not speak of perfection at all, and he said the particular doctrine committed to our trust, or they spoke of it only in general terms without urging the believers to go on unto perfection and to expect it every moment. And wherever this is not done, the work of God does not prosper. And I, and I, I just look, I mean, this is, you know, these are some of the things he's observing as this Methodist movement has just exploded. And he's saying, yeah, but you know what? If they're not preaching sanctification and holiness and Christian perfection, they're drying up and they're becoming dead and there's no life in those churches. Um, and I fear that's happened in the West and in, in, in the United States specifically is that yes. we've left preaching uh, holiness and sanctification because we associated it with uh, not love and not grace but we associated it with uh, legalism and with all these rules and regulations that honestly were never put on us in scripture. And so um, I think in, in doing so um, we've avoided it in the church uh, because it's not necessarily popular. But again, I think this just comes down to, we need to be able to, uh, to revisit this and say, you know, there is something really here uh, that got messed up along the way, and we need to dig back in, and we need to almost, you know, redig some of those wells, rediscover uh, what uh, what God was doing in the church. Because I believe mm-hmm. that, uh, and that was one of the most unique things about the Wesleyan revivals, is that most revivals up to that point, it was all about, you know, salvation, the justification moment but the Wesleyan revivals were about sanctification. Um, right. And I mean, and that's not to say that justification didn't happen. I mean, people were saved. Absolutely. I mean, they experienced, they had the moment of conversion, but it was about, we're not stopping at justification. We're going to talk about what it looks like to actually live this Christian life as Jesus has called us to live it. And so, yes, it's not talked about in the church enough. And I think that if we're going to experience revival, we have to start talking again. We have to start teaching it again. We have to start committing ourselves to being people of of uh, of holiness, people of of, of following Jesus um, as close as as we possibly can of being conformed to His image. Yeah, and that's awesome, man. Um, you know, you you brought up revival, and so often, um, especially. Uh, you know, I can speak for the Pentecostal church. When people talk about, you know, the last day's revival, or they talk about revival coming, um, there's a lot of emphasis put on signs and wonders. Um, and that and that's great. I mean, the Bible you know, clearly speaks about that. Um, and there's a lot of, like you said, a lot of, a lot of emphasis put on salvation, which once again is very important. 
But you don't hear, when you talk about revival, you don't hear a lot talked about sanctification or holiness. And I truly believe in the revival that we're going to see in the days that we're living in. I believe that true revival is going to have and carry a banner of holiness. Uh, People coming back to you know that old well of holiness and sanctification where they where they don't just think that they say a prayer and that brings and makes them part of a club but when they come to an altar they know that they they are they are turning their life over to a god who can transform them who can change them who can make them free from whatever they're bound by uh, and, and so you know before we get off here tonight i want to take an opportunity you know, there may be people listening who says, you know, I, I've been walking with Christ and, and I've had the salvation experience, the, you know, justification. I went to an altar. I did all that. But I, I can't seem to, you know, get away from some of the things that I'm holding on to. Um, and I, I really haven't stepped into the fullness of the sancti- of being sanctified. Um, and so I want if you, if you would, Austin, I'd like for you just to, you know, just to pray um, for those, you know, for those who are listening, maybe who, who kind of, um, who, who are saying, I, I want to know what that's like to be free because sanctification and holiness is freedom. It's not bondage, it's freedom. And, and also I want you to pray for the church as a whole um, that we would, that we would once again come back to that well of holiness and sanctification, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, before I, I pray, I'm just, uh, I was thinking of, I was preaching at a church camp a few years ago, and um, this young lady, and I had preached that night on sanctifying grace, and uh, and this this young girl came up, I think she was 16 years old, and uh, she was a Christian, raised in a Christian home, loved the Lord, and, uh, and she came up and she said, I just, she couldn't express what was going on in her heart, but she knew that it wasn't enough. What she had experienced, you know, with God's justifying where it wasn't enough. God was not done working on her. And, uh, and we just simply said, this is, this is what God is calling you to. He's calling you to holiness. He wants to sanctify you completely. You know, your body, soul, and mind that you're completely devoted to him. And, uh, and I just remember she just wept like a baby and she prayed that night that God would just, uh, you know, would sanctify her, would set her apart. And she got up from the altar and I'll never forget the words she said. She just simply looked and through tears, she said, my heart doesn't hurt anymore. Wow. Yeah. And I just thought, um, I'm, I'm afraid that much of the, that a lot of the church, um, they're hurting because they know where they need to be with Christ. They read the scriptures. My goodness, if you read through First John, how can you not be convicted? <laughs> no doubt. They, they read through the scriptures, and their heart is hurting, but they don't know where to turn because we've neglected the teaching. We've neglected the teaching of sanctification as a work of grace that God does. We've neglected it as a theology of love. And, uh, and so, yeah, I'd be happy to, to just pray for our churches and uh, pray for anybody that might be listening to this that's, that's in that position. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you uh, this evening. And, and God, I'm just so th- grateful for the chance to, um, to get to sit down and talk with, uh, with Bobby for a little bit and, uh, and to be on this podcast. And 
Lord, as we've talked about sanctification and uh, and uh, we've talked about entire sanctification and progressive sanctification, and Lord, I know that uh, by no means did we go into all the scriptures and by no means did we go into all the nuances. But regardless, what we do know and becomes very clear to us in reading your word is that you have called a people to be holy. Your church, you've called us to be a people without spot, without blemish, and without wrinkle. And you said that's who you're coming back for. You said that without holiness that we will not see God. And Lord, we cannot do that on our own. But you knew that too. And so you sent your Holy Spirit. And now, God, through your grace, we have been empowered. Through your grace, we experience uh, what you want to do in our lives. And so, Father, we're just asking that uh, if there's anybody listening to this right now that is in that position where they've been following you, but, but Lord, they know that there's something more. There's still this crisis that is going on. And they want to be sold out to you, Lord. We pray, God, that they would experience your grace, that they would set them that they would that they would set themselves apart and make a decision that they want to serve you so that you can move mightily in them and that you can set them apart, Lord. That you can do that through your grace. That they would just make that decision to do that and by faith trust that you're going to take care of it. And Lord, we want to pray for the church as a whole right now. Uh, God, as we've talked about tonight, uh, this is a, a teaching that we is not discussed in the church, and yet it is the biggest part of the life of a Christian. And uh, and Lord, that's sad, but we believe that you're raising up people to dig up those old wells. You're raising up people so that you might cause a revival of holiness to go throughout our land, go throughout our world, that people would not hear the word holiness and sanctification and think of legalism, but that they would say, man, those are the doctrines of love and those are the doctrines of grace. And God, we want to experience that as your people. We want to experience that as your church. And uh, Father, we're just trusting that you're going to do that. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Austin, I want to thank you so much for taking time uh, to come and be on the podcast with me. Um, and I would like, you know, maybe when, when you get an opportunity, I would love to have you back on again sometime if, if, if you would do that. Absolutely. I would love to. Awesome. Awesome. So I hope everybody enjoyed um, this. And um, once again, if, if you want to contact us, you can contact the InFocus podcast on Facebook or by the email. Um, our email is the InFocusPod at gmail.com. You can look at us on Facebook at InFocusPod and you can contact us. And if, you, uh, if you've been blessed by this, um, if you have any questions, anything at all, you know, feel free to contact us. And so I just want to thank everyone for listening. I once again want to thank Austin um, for, for being on tonight. And um, I hope you have enjoyed this. And 
I believe that, that God is really calling us back into a place of sanctification and holiness. And I truly believe that it's those type of things um, that's going to keep uh, keep us in focus. So wanna, once again, want to thank you for listening and everybody have a good day. God bless.